this is Katie Wu from MinorLeagueBaseball.com, and you're listening to the Fires on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and right next to me is Roy. Howdy, everybody. Howdy on a rainy day. So we have a whole agenda here of notes that we're going to talk about, about 40-man roster and Rule 5 draft and Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball stuff. But we're going to forget about all of that for a moment because we just had a really cool conversation with Katie Wood. Incredible conversation with Katie. That was, um, she is wise among, wise beyond her years. You know, uh, incredibly mature for a 23-year-old woman just breaking into Major League Baseball writing. Oh, yeah. Um, knowledgeable, friendly, passionate. Grounded. Grounded. Giant fan. But, you know, she sprinkles in the A stuff, and I'm like, the A kind of saves her. Well, she's, she's, she's allowed her professionalism to take over, so yes. she can put aside her, her fandom for yes. Barry Bonds and Barry Zito and, and all of that. Um because now she's an impartial member of the press. Absolutely. So anyway, we spent about an hour talking to Katie about all kinds of stuff from her background to Padres topics to just general stuff. I and mean, AJ uh, Casabelle, the Padres. We talked about Bill Center. We talked about Bernie Wilson. We talked about Padres Twitter. Padres Twitter and the power of Padres Twitter. So you guys want to stick around for that. Uh, it was just a really good interview and a really good conversation more than anything. Uh so happy to have her on. I'm, 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 I saw her in spring training. You guys saw her. In, we all saw her in spring training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she didn't know me for Adam. I'm like, hey, my name's Donovan. Hey, no, she hi, was very Katie. gracious. She stopped and talked to us for a minute. And that was nice. <laughs> you know, and she, I'm like, hey, you want to come on my podcast? You know, she's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Forget that creep. <laughs> Pretty much. I was by myself. And I'm like, no, yeah, you know, no, that's she the pickup have... line. Yeah, you got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't have been nicer. No, she, and, and she was awesome with us. And you're about to find out. Katie Wu is a graduate of Arizona State University Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. She has been a staff writer for MLB and MILB since 2018 and is a contributor to The Athletic San Francisco. Now she joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Welcome, Katie Wu. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. God, what? So, so what are you doing right now in the offseason? Um, I... I go on Twitter. I look for uh, injury updates, winter league results, hot stove watch, pretty much the same thing as everybody else. Um, it is not a uh, one of the more busier times in my life. I will say that. Okay. So to pass the time, you were just talking off camera or off microphone uh, about coaching. What were you coaching? I, I do coach. I coach a middle school basketball team. It is a, uh, it's a lot. Um, there's, Something very scary about 2013 year old girls, but we work together. We figure it out. It's honestly like it, it really makes offseason go by fast, which I think everybody wants. No one really enjoys the offseason if you're a baseball fan. And the timing is perfect. You know, we scale back our minor league stuff yeah. around November, and that's when the season starts. And we pick it back up in February, and we're done in February. So it ended up working really well. So, did you play basketball in high school and beyond? I did. Just high school, um, and my senior year, we did not win a game. Uh, so just still a little bit bitter about that, you know, five years later. Do Does your team know that, you, that that's your recent record? This year's team, uh, actually, I don't think so. They will probably find that out, though. They, they are very good at finding things out on the internet. 
<laughs> and that's the thing about 13-year-old girls. They can go like, look here. Well, but Katie can use that yeah. to her advantage to say that she knows how to deal with adversity. Yeah, right. Mm, I do. I do. My junior year in high school, we uh, we went 0-10. And, and we were playing against guys like Brian Giles and Tommy Vardell. And, mm-hmm. uh, really? Brian yeah. Giles? Yeah, yeah, El Cajon Valley High School. He was in Granite Hills, yeah. How about that? Yeah, he, and he had that job back then, too, like, he was a short, stocky buff guy with a huge, like, man jaw. I, I hope his off-field behavior was a little bit better. I, I Probably not. Yeah. I mean, Grand Hills was a stuck-up kind of school. But anyways, we're here for you. So you first showed up <laughs> on on our on Padres Collective Radar in 2018 when you started doing some writing around the Padres. How did that wind up coming to be? So that, I, it is a, um, a very ironic story where it really puts my beliefs in. You're always where exactly where you need to be. So I applied, it was my senior year in college, my fall semester, so my second to last semester, and I applied for MLB.com's no longer functional internship. Um, so we, we can get into the, the internship and why it is no longer around a little bit later. Uh, but I, I applied, and Arizona State was one of the very few schools, I think there was about 10, where they actually had an in-person interview. And if your um, application or resume was selected, you got to do an in-person interview. While almost every other school, it was just, they're just going to select you based off your resume. So I applied for that probably in September and I uh, was selected for an interview in November with uh, MLB.com's former editor, Bill Hill. All right. I, at the time, MLB.com, that internship was the most prestigious internships in, one of the most prestigious internships in sports. Um, especially sports journalism. And I, I don't blame them. They, they take 30 of the top up-and-coming college writers in the entire country, and they place them around their teams. So I kind of went into it as, you know, this is a really big goal. You know, try your best. Don't get your hopes up. The worst thing they can say is no. Yeah. Uh, that The day before the interview, I was a mess. I, my uncles actually own a little condo in Phoenix, so I spent the night there. And my mom flew from Sacramento to Arizona and rode the light rail with me to school. Like I was 13. Um, it was, That's so cute. I was so glad she was there. <laughs> she didn't say anything to me. I said, don't even act, like, just pretend you don't know me. Just but, if I want to talk to you, I will. And she got off with me and I walked up into the room and I always try to get to interviews at least 30 to 45 minutes early. And I was there 45 minutes early and they had backed up a little bit. So I ended up waiting there for almost an hour just in that chair. Wow. I was like, great. <laughs> this is wonderful. Anticipation building, it's fine, it's whatever. I get called in, and whatever apprehension I was feeling, whatever nerves, anxious, they, it just it went away. I had a fantastic conversation with Bill, and the interview was only supposed to be about 20 minutes, so we ended up going 45, and it just flew by. I didn't even feel like it was an interview at the end of the day. We just talked baseball, which is what I love to do, clearly. Yeah. And after I said, I, I thought I had good feelings about the interview. I've had that before. And, you know, sometimes it goes away, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. So after the interviews are done, it takes them about a month to go through the in-person interviews. Like I said, about 10 schools did them. And there was only 10 to 15 people selected from each school. And then all of the write-in interviews. So by December, you knew if you made it to the next round. The If you make it to the next round, you do a nearly eight hour writing test. So you, they pick a playoff game from last season's playoffs and you have to write, watch it. You watch the whole game and you basically act like you're watching it in real time. You write a game story. Um, they'll give you quotes, which is nice. So you'll use actual quotes from that game and you write it and you turn it in like you would file a normal gamer story. 
And then you had to do a couple more, um, you know, grammar tests, a couple more other uh, stats knowledge, sports knowledge tests, just to make sure that you understood. And then they got back to you. Um, it went from, I think about, I can't even, I don't even know how many people did the first step. The second step was, I think, closer to 100 applicants and they had to get it down to 30 and they would have let you know by the new year. So I uh, remember the date was January 5th, I believe. I was in the library and I saw the email pop up on my computer and really nice place to screen is the library. Right. <laughs> it just came out and I was super embarrassed. So I just grabbed my laptop and sprinted upstairs and uh, opened it up and saw that I had been uh, selected to the Padres. But and you, you I got was a job. You got a great job. That's reasonable yeah. to scream. Oh my God. You have every right to scream at that very moment. Did everyone go shh? I, yeah. No, it was a, it's a journalist. It's the downtown campus. So it's mostly journalism students. So I think we all kind of understood. We're all weird. So no one really looks at you differently. They're like, yeah. Whatever. So, 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 to, so to get into the Walter Cronkite. Well, uh, no, I want to know how okay. you wound up with the Padres specifically yeah, and yeah. what your response okay. was to that. Oh, awesome. Okay, sure. So when we were selected um, in the second stage, you gave the MLB.com your top three teams on where you wanted to go. So I'm from the Bay Area, so Be logistically very speaking. careful about what I know. you're about to say. <laughs> Hear me we out, can, guys. We kid, we kid. Hear me out. Um I, living in the Bay Area, logistically, since they, you know, they're not going to pay rent, obviously, no one would expect them to. I picked the Giants and the A's because that was feasible. That would, I'd have a place to stay. I could take care of it. But the team that I wanted the most was San Diego, always. And I had a very high chance, I thought, of getting it because I didn't think it was going to be on very many people's radar to come to. The 2018 team was uh, not exactly great. Uh, and a lot of people wanted to, you know, go to the Red Sox or go to the Yankees or go to a right. team that's known for winning. Right. I wanted to go to the Padres. One, it's San Diego, who doesn't want to spend a summer in San Diego. My uncle lives downtown. I, we used to go visit him every summer, and we'd walk to Petco, and we'd watch, we'd watch the Padres game every year. I knew the area. I loved the environment. But most importantly, I loved what the Padres were doing. I thought they were one of the most interesting clubs at the time, regardless of the win-loss record. Mm. I love their prospects. I love their talent. Um, I knew I wasn't going to watch watch a lot of winning, but I was going to watch the foundation of a winning team start. And that's what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to work with. So they were in my top three. Did you feel like you maybe had a little less pressure to uh, have it being the Padres? I know it's a major league job mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you're doing major league work, but is there a little bit less pressure because it is the Padres? Um, I can I can see that. And the, honestly, the answer is no. I felt pressure the entire time, mainly just because, one, I knew for me personally, um, I always want to represent my work at the highest level. You know, my name is attached to it. I want it to be great. I don't want to, you know, only put half effort into something just because the team isn't winning. Right. That's not fair to the readers. That's not fair to my employer. That's not fair to the team. You know, if you're not going to cover a team, regardless of the win loss record like you would if they were consistently winning, you don't deserve to be writing. Right. You can't slack off just because of the products on the field. Right. Also, I was born very early when I took the Padres assignment that the social media pages were insane. Um, so you couldn't slack off even on a tweet. <laughs> and I yeah. found that to be true very quickly. Padres Twitter is pretty brutal. I, I, but I hope it was supportive in, in the same manner. You know, they, It they, taught you me good... how to respond in a in a polite and mature way and also not back down. And you know what, to be completely honest, I would much rather 100% have a 
an aggressive, overpassionate fan base than a fan base that doesn't care. Right. When, any day of the week. All right, you listening out there, Padres Twitter? We're making an impact. <laughs> oh, don't tell them that. Oh God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get so, you for the giant stuff anyway. So you you're saw all good. what just happened in the last couple of weeks. I mean, look at the color of Donovan's T-shirt here. Yeah. The Padres went brown again, and that's something. The best decision. That. Uh, the the people in Padres Twitter and the the bloggers they feel like there's been a certain amount of investment in that going back to like 2010 there were guys writing and campaigning about it and it's been just constant reminders to them through social media and in person that this is what the people want and yeah. it took all these years and they finally came back we'd like to think it has something to do with what social media was was telling them and it was, I absolutely agree and it was yes. last year that uh, when 97.3 the fan. Uh, San Diego's only FM sports radio show <laughs> had the morning show guy that did the weird picture of don't jump off that. Oh, you geez, were there yeah. and you saw the power of social media, though. That's that's kind of one of the things about Padres Twitter that kind of, you know, and social media in general jumped on board and like said, you guys got to change this. That, and they that made... guy came from the Bay Area, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do, do you know what we're talking we're... about on that? Kevin, I don't think so. I don't so think so. I the do. guy's name is Kevin, Kevin Klein. Klein. He used to have a morning radio show, sports, whatever. It's like one of the. I don't know. He's he's Syndicated like a, thing. he's like a shock jock. And okay. He was hired by the local radio station, and he tweeted out this picture of the Coronado Bridge with big letters that said "Jump." And then oh, the I do bottom, know. Yeah, I do know that. And basically, everybody on Twitter went. F you get the heck out of our yeah. town. We don't want anything to do with you. And it was such an uproar that the the Padres said we don't want anything to do with this guy. And eventually the 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 radio station backed down and he wound up not coming to town. I do remember this now. Yes, that's a great example. Um, the, social media is very powerful. It can be great. It can unite causes. And if you make a mistake, uh, you can end up losing your job. And yeah. sometimes it's you deserve to. You can't be making these kinds of mistakes with the power of social media these days. But it can also be be used for good things. You know, like bringing the brown back, which is yeah. totally a movement founded off the fan base. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back before we get into your career. Let's go back into the beginning. You go up to the Bay Area. You grew up a Giants fan? I, I will say this. That's I okay. was my dad loved both teams. My dad is very influential in in baseball. Um, but when it came down to pick one, I was very, very torn. I loved pitching even as a kid. I if I could find a job where all I do is evaluate pitchers each day, I'm I'm in it. Um, but there's something to be said about a guy that can show up and hit a home run into the ocean every single day that just really captivates a six-year-old. Yeah. So I picked Barry Bonds over Barry Zito, and I grew up a Giants fan. Uh, and uh, let me just say, guys, I know it hurts. I know too much Morton's on Twitter is going to hear this, and he's going to unfollow me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very easy to become impartial once I took this job. Yeah. It was just there... You know, that when I think about the Giants, that's now just childhood memories with my family. There is absolutely no kind of attachment there, just like any other sports journalist. Yeah. So I get it. Uh, people make fun of me all the time. You should have heard the Padres press box when I told them. Everyone was like, are you serious? I did not know that liking the Giants as a kid was almost as bad as liking the Yankees. I did not know that. Or the Dodgers. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was completely yeah. oblivious growing up in the Bay Area that that was like a baseball thing. I didn't know. <laughs> well, in San Diego, we we have very strong feelings about our our rivals. Like, yes. So you got Barry. So you had to pass on Barry Zito, but then you got him back later on. He's so dreamy. Yes, I did. He is, he, but he was so dreamy. 
I mean, he's got that, that 12 6 curveball and the quaff of hair. And he plays guitar. <laughs> the quaff of hair. So you said so you said your dad was very influential in influential in you getting into baseball, so you grew up watching baseball with your pops. Yes, every night we'd come home from whatever sports practice and you know, we'd eat dinner and we'd go watch the Giants game. And that's pretty much when I when I think about baseball and growing up and establishing it, it was uh watching a game with my dad. He taught me very much uh, how to be uh, very into trivia. He would quiz me all the time. And uh, I would have to get it right or I'd do some sort of like, I don't know, like push-ups or something. And uh, <laughs> so now he created a monster where every time he asks me a question, I will go full depth. And he's just so totally over it. But it's what he raised. So it's what he deserves. I, I love that. Go ahead. Okay. So before we before we started recording, we were talking about some stuff. And I've noticed recently on social media, some some female sports writers have been talking about experiences that they've had when they show up to a ballpark or a press box and they get challenged and because you mentioned quizzing and mm-hmm. so have you had that where somebody's challenged you about like, well what do you really know how well right. do you actually know your job thinking that you're you know not a legitimate journalist have you had that experience all the time uh i'm not sure i don't like to just apply you know causes to myself and be like oh it's because i'm this or it's because i'm that but i am sure that the reason i get so much slack or so much disbelief or scoffed at even is one because i of my age and two because of my uh, because i'm a woman and the most common thing that happens is you know they'll ask me what i do for work and it comes to the point where i don't even want to answer the question yeah you can i can usually tell by the person and by how it's asked if i want to if I want to answer the question or not. And it's usually asked, so, oh, yeah, what do you do for work? And I say, oh, I'm a sports writer. I cover Major League Baseball and their minor league teams. And it'll be one of two things. One, it'll be, oh, like, no, what do you really do? Or it'll be like, oh, yeah, who's this, this, this? And I'm like, right. first of all, I, I know all those answers, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of me giving to them. Second of all, it, it's just, at first it was just kind of, I was, in belief, like disbelief. I was like, really? I can't how that's so rude. Now I'm just like, this is so tiring. I just moved right past it. I don't, I don't have the time or the energy to put myself again, back into that negative energy that comes at me. So I just yeah. kind of ignore it really. Yeah, you I, can come up with an alter ego like, Oh, I'm, I'm a district manager for coach for Wilson's leather or something. Like yeah. That. You know, something, yeah. something that somebody would stereotypically apply to a person who resembles you. You know what I mean? It's almost, yeah. It's almost because every time that I say something, it's like, no, what's, what do you really do? What's your real job? And I'm like, the, I've had people even refer to what I do like for my career as my, your writing thing or your writing hobby. And I'm like, I would be, <sighs> Oh my God. It's fine. So I, <laughs> You went to Ugh. you went to school for this. You pay the bills with this. This this isn't a hobby. What we do is a hobby. Drew, this is a hobby, <laughs> right? Well, and, and, but you guys are great at it. So well, I, <laughs> I love. And to go back to with your dad, you know, my, my wife is like before my wife and I were dating. Like we hung out and she was out. You know, we we're hanging out one day and anyway, she had a Padre game. She goes, "Why don't guys ever date me?" I'm like, "Cause you're the dude. Like you know more <laughs> about baseball than most guys I know." And mm-hmm. that's very intimidating. And it uh, is. later on, she went home and yelled at her friend, going, you know what Donovan said? He said I was the dude. And her friend was like, yeah, he's right. Because, you know, you're put together and you know more about sports than most guys do. But she grew up a Mets fan. And she grew up with, um, you know, watching baseball games with her dad. And mm-hmm. and that's, um, I, I find that incredibly awesome. Because, I mean, I love baseball. And I love anyone who loves baseball. And um, 
Was your mom a baseball fan, or did she just kind of put up with your guys' baseball fandom? She learned to become one. Did you? <laughs> okay, she so did. I, I feel compelled we should give a plug for, because our wives do a podcast called Hell's Bells. You know, Trevor Hoffman and the Hell's Bells. Yes. So it's B-E-L-L-E-S. So it's great. It's very witty. If you witty. want to listen to two, two ladies talking about baseball who actually know their stuff, look them up. So they have I will add them to my list. Yeah, Absolutely. They're taking a little hiatus right now since it's the off season. So they might get together maybe once a month yeah. versus every No worries. That just means week. I have time to catch up. Yeah. Perfect. They're a lot of fun. Excellent. So did you go to ASU wanting to be a, a, a sports writer or do you just want to go into journalism period? No, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I went to Arizona State because I heard it was really fun. And so that's, that's okay. where I was at 17. That's a very honest answer. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah. My parents were like, are you, are you serious? You know, cause I had a 4.0 in high school. I did all the extracurriculars and I went to Arizona state, but it, it was actually ironic. I was supposed to go to Oregon where my brother goes Boo. and, uh, I'm yeah, a, I'm a, I'm a beaver. Oh, I just don't like Oregon cause he goes there. So we can bond over that. Okay. <laughs> I turned in my, like my acceptance to their acceptance. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a duck. I'm going to Oregon. And to celebrate, my dad took me to spring training that year because, you know, growing up, he said he'd always wanted to go to spring training. He was always he would always take me. And it was that spring before I left for college. So he said, we're going to go. So we went and we wanted the first game that we went to was in Scottsdale Stadium. And we were driving there and he really had to go to the bathroom. So he pulled in this parking lot and it ended up being a school. And we both thought it was the University of Arizona. Oh, and we're walking around. It's spring break, so it's completely empty. So I really got to walk around this campus and see it was gorgeous. And there was no hordes of people on their skateboards and bikes running people over. And uh, we're talking, and I see a sign. And I'm like, oh, no, we're at Arizona State. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to go to school here. And he said, what? And I was like, no, I'm serious. I'm going to apply as soon as we get back to the hotel, and I'm going to go to school here. So I did. Uh, I was accepted like a, three days before my high school graduation, but wow. it also the, the acceptance rate is very high. So no one was really that concerned about it. And uh, I went and I was in the education program. I love kids for the most part. Um, okay. That's a lie. I tolerate kids for the most part. I like working. <laughs> I work, I like working with the kids that want to get better. I think that's why I coach. Um, yeah. And I always thought, you know, like that's what I would do. I come from a family of teachers. I lasted two weeks before I said, get me out. And I went undeclared for a while and I was walking uh, across campus. I saw one of the shuttles come up and it said sports journalism program opening. And I said, huh, maybe a semester later I was in it and I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Nice. We talked about that. It always uh, works out. You're always where right. you need to be. Okay. So Scottsdale, that's where the Giants play. Yeah. They share that with the Royals. Is that right? They don't share. Uh, they no. don't share Scottsdale Stadium. No, the okay. Royals, Royals in Texas over in a Goodyear. That's right. Okay, but then right there in Tempe, you've got the Angels, right? Yes, that, and that's like right next to campus. Actually, the closest one to campus is where the Cubs play. That is that was probably like two blocks from my apartment my senior year. It's on the Mesa Tempe border, um, I, and it was awesome. It's a beautiful park, but I've I've been to all of them, and. Uh, it's all just one. It's an awesome environment, really. If you've never been to spring training in Arizona, you need to go. You can go to 15 different teams, and they're only an hour away from each other. So when you were going to school, did you go to a lot of games? Oh, yeah. 
Um, I made my friends my uh, come with me, and they went because you know there's cheap beer. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but I love the, the baseball players are so cute. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You can look at that and I'm going to watch the game. And right. I have no problem with that. I just want right. someone to go with. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're you're judging scouting grades on the on the guys in the bullpen. Yeah, I'm looking for stories. I'm like, who can I write about? Who looks fun? Who can I go back to school and be like, I want to do this? Like, he's really cute. And your friend's like, he's really cute. And you're like, yeah, he's probably. I, no, yeah, but he can't command, his, play, he can't command his fastball. What are you right. talking about? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it went. And we both understood that, you know, we weren't going to see eye to eye, but that's okay because we were just going. Okay. So once you got to San Diego, uh, who was your first interview and how did that process go? Oh, my gosh. My first interview. Okay. Uh, my first day in San Diego, I had just come back from a week in Mexico celebrating my friend's wedding. And I had no voice. I was sick for the last two days, and I went. I couldn't talk. I sounded like a frog. Wait, wait, and wait. Of course, what, what, what kind of sick? What were, and were you? Where no, like actually, I had a cold. I would never ever do that. No, <laughs> I had a legit cold. Um, and I moved all in. I came back from Mexico and moved to San Diego all in like twelve hours. Really poor planning, and uh, I was a mess. I woke up and I was like, I have to meet an entire clubhouse and my boss and uh, everyone else I'm going to work with for the summer. And I sound like this. So I try not to talk at all. I don't remember my first interview, which is kind of ironic. I remember the first person I met was uh, Travis Jankowski and Corey Spangenberg. And they were both super nice. And they both had the same reaction when I introduced myself. They were like, ew. Because my voice sounded so bad. I could see it. I could see they weren't going to say it, but I could see in their eyes. They're like, I kind of don't want to shake your hand because you're kind of gross. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that interview, was. Janky was really nice. <laughs> yeah, we just talked to Ethan Skinner last week, and he was saying nothing but great things about Travis Jankowski. So, oh, yeah, he was awesome. After that, he was great. But I could tell they were both like, is she okay to touch? Like, does she have the plague? <laughs> <laughs> so you were working with AJ Casabell almost every yes. day, right? Yeah. Yep, every day. He uh he's who I reported to. He um whatever he wanted to do, he would do and I would do the rest. But let me just say a shameless plug about AJ Casabell. One hundred percent the reason why I have this job right now and one hundred percent the reason why I am the writer I am today. I could not have gotten a better MLB.com in writer to work with. Yeah. He actually started out as an intern, as an MLB.com intern and so he knew he was awesome. If I ever had an idea, it was mine. If I wanted to do the gamer, it was mine. Um, he helped me with anything and everything. And we just really worked well together. I've, I understand that when you're covering a team, your main objection is to cover the team. It's not to help out your intern. Right. So a lot of the writers, you know, they'll, they'll be there and they'll, they'll try to guide their intern, but that's not their main prerogative. But I always felt that AJ went out of his way to split his time between doing his job and making sure I was getting better each day. And it is, I will always, always be team AJ for that. He's my number one on my, um, my list of references. He is like the first person that uh, people call when I, when they're asking about me, he is the best. Um, so that's my AJ plug. So during the, uh, during the uniform unveil, I uh, I ran to AJ and I told him about what we're doing with the winter meetings or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, we got Katie Wood and the week after next. Like, oh, she's great. And so she he was like stoked that you were going to come on the podcast. He's come on the podcast and we're probably going to have him um, somewhere close to December. 
Yeah, we're trying to. Oh, we're trying, nice. we're yeah. trying to get together with him like around the winter meetings or so. And he's, right, because they're in San Diego. He's the sweetest yeah. guy. And a little funny story is okay. So on my days off, I I drive for Uber and Lyft. Uh-huh. And so one morning I, I picked him up, you know, I picked up some guy and, you know, I couldn't even remember the name, but I'm like, oh, that's AJ Castleville. He gets in my car and I'm like, hey, AJ, my name is Donovan Jones. I got a podcast. Blah, blah, blah. I was on the farm. Well, you got to come on the podcast. He's like, yeah, dude, sure. And I'm sure no, he's so know, chill. So way back. But, you know, and I'm sure he's stuck in my car. Of course, he's going to say, yeah, sure. Just DM me on Twitter and, and we'll do something. I don't even know if we'd done any interviews yet at that point. I think he was the first person that we talked to other than just like the two of us. We, we had done, but we had done a few guys. But I mean, he's a big, that's a big name. He's an MLB writer. Right. Like he doesn't need to be farting around with a couple of guys on you know whatever with the podcast and i dm'd him and we ended up doing a live pod so we put it on twitter and mm-hmm. um we did it at ale smith and you know about eight people showed up thank you uh, <laughs> you know but you know he totally chill we you know we had we had him on the table we talked to him for like kind of 45 minutes and just a solid dude and, and i love that about him and I want to hear more about why the internship doesn't is no longer around because he did. He's like one of the questions we asked him is how'd you get involved? And he's like, Well, we did the intern program. Yes. Um, so the internship had pretty much launched the career of over half of the current MLB.com staff. And like I said, it was it's a huge internship. It it's if you put that, if you get this internship and it's on your resume, you're getting a job. No question. Um, it really just came down to they, uh, uh, quite honestly, I don't know. I, uh, just, there was, we kind of felt it when we took over the last class. So my internship class, I had a couple friends too, from Arizona state. One was with the Dodgers and one was with the Diamondbacks. Um, we just kind of felt it was different and one of them had done it already before. So he knew it was different. And there was just this rumor that they weren't going to bring it back. And no one heard any founding about that. And the next thing I know, it's February and I run into AJ in spring training and he said, yeah, you're the last one. You're my last intern. So they, uh, for whatever reason, discontinued that internship program, which is a shame. Um, not to say that we did so much, but we did help a lot with the, the long haul of a season. Right. So whether it's, you know, getting interviews or even just transcribing or something or taking the pregame notes, you know, we help a lot and we do a lot of that work. Um, so, and for whatever reason, it's gone. They hired a couple of game producers. So probably I think like 10 and they fill in for the visiting team every now and then. So if the visiting beat writer, let's say, you know, AJ, the Padres are in Tampa for whatever reason, in the league series and AJ doesn't want to go or is not scheduled to go. Whoever is in Florida as the game producer will fill in for him. Oh, so it's okay. a little bit of what a little bit of the same as an internship, except it's an actual position. Um, but for as far as I know, they, the internship program is done. Bill Hill, the guy who interviewed me, eventually was no longer with MLB.com when we started uh, like getting the, the group together in March when I started. Um, he actually now ironically works at Arizona State as a professor. But when uh, he, from my understanding, I never really worked with him, so I don't know. My understanding is that he headed the most the program, that his interns was like his thing. And when he was no longer with the company, it kind of just went away, which is a shame. But I, you know, obviously MLB knows what they're doing because the, their staff is incredible and, you know, they, they do a great job. So, yeah, I remember noticing on Twitter at one point MLB put out like an open casting call. Like if you mm-hmm. want to write for Major League Baseball, here's the link to apply. I remember that was like last February, March, something like yep. that. 
And I thought that was unusual because I'd never seen that before. And so I did I when I saw it. it. And so there, I guess that was the end of the internship program. The end of an era. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, just to kind of, just to kind of like follow up and get it closer to, uh, you know, your story with AJ Casabell. So you were interned there in 2018. Mm-hmm. And ASU beat Penn State in hockey. Yes. I wish I would have known that. You <laughs> never would have heard the end. I had to Google that. I'm like, maybe there's something we can tie that in with. <laughs> oh, I was man. too busy. Arizona State played San Diego State in football that summer, and I was too busy hyping that up, and then Arizona State lost. Um, so I never recovered because they never let me forget it. I walk in and Bill Center and Bernie, I almost called him Bernie Sanders, Bernie Wilson um, were just looking at me, and yeah. they're dying laughing. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. <laughs> How is Bernie? We love Bernie's so great on, you know, in person and on Twitter. Okay, Bernie is so funny. Um, let me just say that the Padres press box is without a doubt probably the best press box in sports, at least. Uh, you know, everywhere I go, I love where I work. But that press box is really special. Like, obviously, you guys know how great Don and Mud and Annie and Scan and Jesse and all of them are. Like, duh, everyone knows that. The writers, who you don't see very often, but you guys yell out on Twitter all the time, are so much fun. Um, I sat, AJ was next to me, Dennis and Bill and Bernie were in front of me and they, (laughs) Bill and Bernie are just so funny together. They fuel each other's fire and they both get mad about the same things and they both have the same reaction. It's kind of like they're twins and poor Dennis is in the middle. He just puts his headphones on. It's so good. They're so funny. Well, you did Bernie and Bill, right? Cause about the same age, right? They're about uh, a dinosaur year old. I'm not sure. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag Bernie and uh and no. AJ. I, well, no, just I'm gonna. It, it's fine. I, I think it's great, I, and I and I love that about. I love hearing that about my team. I love hearing that about the Padre Press Box. We did the Don Welke, and um. Class, oh, you did that this year? Yeah, we did that. We were out there in the and for the first time in the press box, and you nice. know, just kind of act like we know what we're doing. You know, all us bloggers <laughs> and bloggers, you know, podcast people sit on one side. And uh, you know the rest of Dennis and AJ and Bill sat on the other side, but and we saw a little bit of that interaction. And yeah, but I forgot the rule right at the beginning of the game. Oh, I was just cheering for people. And he's so, <laughs> Taylor Trammell throws a guy out at second base with this great throw, and I couldn't help but I'm like, got him. And then I like I looked around like, oh, I'm not supposed to do it. I'm supposed to act like a professional yeah. here. Like I've been here before. David Jay goes, there's no no rooting in the in the press box. Yeah, as we had all the Mad Friars guys next to us. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, they're fun. Um, they're, they're awesome. Uh, and it just goes to show like, you know, AJ's top of my list reference wise, everyone down, Bill, Bernie, Dennis, Kevin, all of them. They never made me feel like an intern. I always felt equal there. I didn't work too much with Jeff, but the same Jeff from the union tribune, but yeah. same, um, super accepting. Dennis actually helped me get this, uh, the contributing role with the athletic put in a really good word for me there. So it just really goes to show the people. They are awesome. Uh, I miss them a lot. They're, they're wonderful. I mean it. They really are. Okay. I've got a question. My mind always goes off on tangents. I just mentioned the Mad Friars guys, and we're really good friends with all the folks in Mad Friars. Um, Did you interact with them much? Um, For minor league baseball? Yeah. Or um, not really. I did see them. I saw Kevin and Ben, I think it's from training. But I was only at Padres camp for a couple of days. They do a great job. Um, I'm not quite sure if what they, if it's like a blog site, I read it. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to like if you were going to technically because some people are all they all do that. 
if you were going to classify them, I don't know what that would be. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. They are very, very good at what they do. They're probably better than some of the people that are getting paid to do this. It's really good stuff. So you've, you've been around, you see what other teams do and what kind of following other teams have. Are you, are there other teams that have? I guess the, you call the them like structure a, of the community. They're like, a, they're like an independent news organization almost. Yeah, um, not that I've seen. Not and definitely not as good as the what you guys have going on. Yeah, because they take it very very seriously and they're very good at what what they do. Yeah, and we're grateful that they let us read their content on our little we, podcast. We, we use it during the during the school year. I almost said during the season we <laughs> use it content. I know uh, the Seattle Mariners had Lookout Landing. Um, that's yes. part of SB Nation. So that's like I used to write for Gaslamp Ball, right? So, but, but it's they don't focus specifically on the minor league side. They don't. They do everything. But I think it's also a woman that does that. I, I, I think it's the woman who's like that's her head. That's the I don't know. I, oh, I, oh, I, that's like her role with Lookout Landing is talking about minor league stuff. It was her. No, it was her thing. Was Lookout Landing? Was it was female? I'm not. Sh- I, I thought she got up. Someone got upset about someone putting her picture out there, and I think it was a woman. So um, I just wanted to plug more women in sports. Love it. And also, we need more of them. Yeah, yay, Mad Friars. All right. So, we've got some Padres questions. Yeah, let's talk about baseball. Let's talk some Padres ball. Um, You know, before we get on to that, have you heard much about Oakland and the whole ballpark? Yeah. Um, They're working to to acquire the land and get the proposal going and all that? It's a hot mess. Um, I will say that. I don't know too much. Mainly when I did my uh, athletic role with the A's, it was just their September call-up since that's what I did with minor league baseball. And let me just, let me say this. Um, Obviously, Mackenzie Gore is going to be huge. The A's have their own. His name's Jesus Lazardo. And those two, I think, will both win Cy Youngs in their career. Oh, Lazardo, yeah. We saw him pitch. Yeah. Bold prediction. I know they haven't made the majors yet. But I both of them, I think, will. Okay. Anyway, here, here I'm going to show my age a little bit. So Jesus Lazard, Luzardo. Every time I hear his name, it reminds me of this band from the '90s called the Jesus Lizard, and <laughs> they had one song that was a big hit. They were yeah. kind of a one-hit wonder, and I'm sure you've heard the song. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll hear it. And you go, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But yeah, I every time I hear Jesus Luzardo, my mind says Jesus, the Jesus Lizard. Jesus Lizard, nice. <laughs> Which okay. is also, there's a type of lizard that can run on water. That's a Jesus Christ that's, lizard. They called yeah. it the Jesus lizard. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, it runs so fast, it stays on top of the water. Wonderful. Must be nice. Must be nice to be that fast. Brought to you by Discovery Channel. <laughs> okay, while you, while you step away for a second. So the Padres are in the market for starting pitching and an outfielder. Uh, you know, besides the pipe dream of Strasburg and Cole, uh, we're probably not going to get either one of those guys. You know, who's one of the most likely targets for the Padres? Can I give you guys a controversial target? Yeah, um, let's hear a hot take. Okay, and this has nothing to do with any kind of personal bias at all. Okay. I just want to know what you think the overall fan base reaction would be if the Padres signed Madison Bumgarner. I, um, I, you know, d- depending on the price and years, for me, I would, I, I like his leadership. I like he's a, he's a fierce competitor. I think he would be great. Um, he'd mix well with Paddock. He'll mix well with Gore coming up. Uh, far as wins and losses, we'll, we'll see what he does. You know, we'll see what the team does. You know, a lot of that has to do with how well the team, if the team mm-hmm. does score runs, you know, and he pitches a decent ball, I, you know, I think he can do really well. It really depends on the years. Maybe three years. I don't know if he's maybe 15 to, you know, 15 to 18 million a year. I don't know that structure. How is he going to wash the giant stink off of him before he uh, 
puts on the Padres uniform. As soon as he hits a dinger, or as soon as he beans someone for like <laughs> going high and tied for ten for nine or ten, okay. junior. Okay, because that is great. That, was that my, is it. That's what he would have to do. My first when I heard somebody talk about that, it was like I bristled at the thought, and mm-hmm. immediately my first thought goes to Matt Kemp that guy that I just never cared for with the Dodgers and then mm-hmm. the Padres picked him up and I talked myself into he was okay. so bad and then he yeah. was just dreadful yeah. and it was awful that he was dreadful all the way around with the press and with his teammates and all of that I heard a lot of stories I can't imagine that Bumgarner would be the same way it sounds like he's kind of an ornery guy that wants to be left alone which is mm-hmm. fine um yeah and then so Padres fans were as you found we're Fairly sophisticated. We're educated. We try to read about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And so Bumgarner's been on the decline. The last couple of years, he's missed some time with injuries. He doesn't have the velocity, the stuff that he used to have. And it's like during the regular season, he's not all that great. And then the times that he's had a chance to get to the postseason, he all of a sudden shows up and just tears it up. Right. So it's like we'd be paying a bunch of money, and I don't know what kind of performance you'd be getting compared right. to other alternatives that are out there. So okay, I, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't hate the idea, but it does. I, I I cringe at the idea of picking up. What is Hosmer again? What's he called? Um, value. What's the value? What's what? Oh, oh, prestige value. Prestige value. Yeah, prestige right. Value. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We, we, there's prestige a, value Hosmer, yeah. Yeah, I'm not putting a dollar sign on that. But if he's, I, I definitely can see him jiving with Gore and Paddock in particular. Yeah. Taking them under his wing and showing them how to be a proper red ass like him. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I think those are all really valid points, especially performance wise. It has declined, but I think you also have to see that the giants performance has declined too. And uh, sometimes for, for guys like that, that's a decision factor. I mean, look at Machado, you know, down here. So I think for Bumgarner, you know, should the Padres make a move one giants were underpaying him to the start. So I still think that, you know, it would probably require a, a significant amount of money, just like any of these free agent pitchers. I don't I think three years would be a great deal. Three years, you know, or maybe two with a team option for three. Yeah. But I do think that the Padres need someone that can I swear on this? Are yeah, you allowed to swear on the side? Yeah. <laughs> that will go, you know, shove it up someone's ass when he's pissed off. Yes. Like, yes. I know the language. <laughs> I think they need that because I mean, and I, I don't like to rip on people that are gone, but, you know, there were plenty of opportunities last year where Andy Green could have sent a message. And that message was never sent. You know, you throw it, Tatis, you, so there should be a message back, you know? Now, you were writing for the Padres when Austin Hedges got steamrolled by... Um, by Rizzo. Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo. That was right? before I got there. Ah. I remember when the Cubs came. That was a big deal. It was a big story. Yeah, and there was never any retaliation. There was not, and then I don't. I'm not in favor of necessarily beaning somebody, but there no, are times right, right. where you need to defend your your player. And I yeah. never right. really and I'm not a player. That. You know, I I don't go out and play for a living. So there's always going to be some level there that I don't understand. But you know, I think there hasn't really been a firecracker on the Padres team, which is it's nice as a journalist. They're all super nice, chill guys. Um, but as a competitor, they need someone, especially that starting rotation. Absolutely. We, we found that a little bit in, in Chris Paddock and, he, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the, uh, and the few things that were said with him and Peter Alonzo and, you know, having the podcast here, I've followed Peter Alonzo the past few years before he even got, you know, touched the major leagues. And we talked to Buddy, Buddy Reed, who was, you know, played with him in Florida. And so when he, when all this kind of shake up with him and, and um, Paddock kind of came on board, I was kind of like, 
Alonzo's kind of a kick-ass dude, you know. I, but you know, yeah. Twitter's like, "F that guy, he's like a plumber or whatever." Well, so what I—he's a plumber, oh <laughs> Yeah, because he, he's got he's the got he's balding and dude. got the dad bod. But poor so guy. Paddock kind of stuck his neck out there. He yeah. opened his mouth, and then he got smacked down by media, like from New York and national media. Everybody going, "Well, who's this kid? Think he is?" Right. And I, it, it takes a while for somebody to learn how to how big they can puff their chest out and when the right time is to do it. Yeah. And I think Paddock is definitely learning all of that, but he's a couple ways away from that where you got Bumgarner and he'll be the one to tell him, hey, you better get out there and do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see yeah. that. I, I could see that angle. Yeah. It, well, and real quick, and we'll let you talk here. <laughs> no, I, you guys are fantastic I, I, opinions. Better I, than I, I could do. Well, and I love that he did that. Like, we need that. We need rivalries. He yes. talked about it later on. He, like, when he clarified his kind of position, he's like, we need rivalries. Every time you see the team is between the, you know, before the game, everyone's hugging, everyone's high five, and everyone's chatting like, hey, we'll have dinner, blah, blah, blah. Like, we need competition. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think him bringing that up really brought that to the forefront. And having someone like Madison Bumgarner come in like that, having, you know, Gore's going to come and just, he's not going to be a red ass, but he's going to bring it. This kid mm-hmm. is electric. Now, you've interviewed oh, yeah. McKenzie, right? Yeah. Yes, I know. I have. I've written. I've read a couple of your stories about him. So you've seen the kind of two sides to the guy. That there's the there's the casual, talkative, friendly guy, mm-hmm. out, outside the lines, and then on game day, he's a totally different character, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I only talked with him when he was with like Elsinore. I have when he went to the Texas League that went to someone else's jurisdiction. So I got a lot of early season Mackenzie Gore, and you know, there's always prospects that are overhyped. He's not one of them. No, he's going to change the game in so many ways, not just in San Diego, but nationally. He, um, even for how young he is, it just conducts himself really well, conducts himself like an ace. Um, he's what the Padres need. And this is no disrespect to anyone else on that rotation, um, especially, you know, like Lauer and Lucchese, who I think are super, like, great back end starters. Right. They just need, San Diego needs an ace. And it's going to be really, really fun when Gore and Paddock, who is free of his brains and can be the pitcher that he wants to be, when those two are headlining a rotation. That's going to be amazing. Okay, so what about uh, Mackenzie Gore's brother from another mother? Luis Patino. Patino. Oh, him too. Him too. I've only covered him a couple times. I will say this, you know, if Mackenzie Gore takes all of the light, if Gore or Patino than any other uh, organization, he'd be their star. They're shining. Yeah. But he, un- he gets unfairly overshadowed by Gore, which is a testament to how great Gore is. But those two with Paddock, you know, maybe move Lauer to a long man relief. I still think, I still think that the Padres as a fan base underestimates Joey Lucchese. I really do. I think he can be very, very good. Um, you got four really good guys. And you know what? Lauer too, just if there was a way for him to not pitch at Coors, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Uh, but you want him against the Dodgers. You do. You do. You want him to pitch against the Dodgers. I couldn't believe that they had him pitch late in the season after he'd been ripped up a couple of times. Yeah. I figure you look out a month at the schedule and you block out that series and you say, okay, Lauer's not pitching here. And then you find the next time that they're going to Dodger Stadium and make sure that he's starting there. Yeah. It yeah. seems pretty obvious that you just keep him away from cores at any any cost but let's move on here a little bit let's uh, let's talk about the outfielders we do we have mm-hmm. we have outfielders that still have yet to be proven um we need a power bat out there someone that can get on base uh who is in the market of getting rid of you know maybe an outfielder for in trade or free uh you know maybe in the free agent signing 
Um, okay, let's let's just say this, and you know, if it does happen, which it won't, you guys can yell at me that I was wrong. The Padres are not going to get Mookie Betts in any way. So if they're going to splurge, it's going to be on a starting pitcher. So let's rule him out. Thank you. The free, yeah, you're welcome. The free agency market is for outfielders is kind of thin. Yeah. You got uh, another controversial big Yasiel Puig will be a free agent, uh, and you know, not too many other guys coming to mind that are like, wow, instantly better. You know, maybe Castellanos, maybe. Um, I think if the Padres get someone, it comes as a trade uh, just because I don't see them spending money on an outfielder. That's not an immediate change. Like their starting pitcher would be like if they, you know, did a Machado 2.0 and got Strasburg that, that they can justify spending the money for. I don't think they can justify doing that for only an average to, you know, above average at the best outfielder, like the free agent market has right now. Okay. So I think it would come in a trade, just not the Mookie best trade. Is it, do you have anybody in mind? Mm. There's somebody I've been kind of clamoring for. Let's want, hear it. I want them to go get Starling Marte. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's nice. With Ben Cherry. He reminds me a little bit of Manny Margot, though. A little well, bit. He's left-handed, though. So if you want to make That's a platoon, true. it might That's work out true. that way. Yeah. I like that. Because let, let me let me give Margot's credit here. Light year is better than the 2018 Margot that I worked with. You know, he can hit a little bit. His defense is a lot better. His defense was never questionable, but it's improved. Um, but the offense has been the biggest thing, and that was definitely a lot better. Um you know, if you have two powerful corner outfielders that can hit, you know, you got Hunter Renfro there who just remarkable season, remarkable turnaround. I'm okay with an average hitting center fielder if I have two other outfielders that can really hit the ball. So I like Margot proving that the Padres can go get two more guys or one more guy if Renfro can keep this up. You, you mentioned improvements on defense. I, my season tickets are in the bullpen, like right next yes. to the bullpen. Oh, yeah, center. I know. And so what I noticed was his communication that mm -hmm. when there's a play in the gap, he's taking the lead. He's talking to whoever's next to him, where when he first came up, he seemed to defer a lot, or he was maybe a little bit timid to take the play when you've got that Matt Kemp coming from one side or Will Myers coming from the other side. Speaking of Will Myers, um, do you think the Padres really are trying to shop his contract? Do you think anybody's going to want to take him? And do you have a personal hot take on, on Will Myers? Uh, let me let me pre uh, preface this with, you know, I'm no longer covering the Padres organization day by day. I'm no longer in the press box. My views are more more of an opinion view than anything. So let's just clarify this. But also um, in the promo video did you, for the uniforms, did you see Myers anywhere? No, no. I, I think that, that was, answers your question on when they're if they're shopping him. I was also really happy to see that Luis, Luis Rios yes. was prominent. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, that from when I, I that's the first thing I noticed was one that the alternate road uniforms were awesome, and I noticed that there was no Will Myers, and I thought that was very um, telling to where the Potters are with him. I think they will try to shop him, and uh, I, I do think teams will take him. I do. He is sometimes guys just need a change of scenery, and last year was last year was hard to watch because. I, a lot of people say, oh, he doesn't care; he doesn't want to get better. No, there's not a single Major League Baseball player that doesn't care okay they all care they all want to you know help and no one wants to lose no one wants to be a professional baseball player and lose it was a rough season i get that i also think that maybe he needs a change of scenery i still i don't think that all of his value is off maybe you know age is one thing but i still think he can be you know a, a five six hitter or a two three hitter honestly and i think he can play defense pretty well um, I also think the Padres don't give him any favors by putting him in a different position every single day. Uh, maybe if he stuck to one, he'd be pretty decent. 
So I think teams will, they'll bite if the offer's there, if the right prospect is added, you know, it, it, it's a, it would require a uh, steady calculated method, but I think they would do it. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's still a good ball player in there mm-hmm. somewhere. It just is going to take the right environment to pull it out, figure yes. out how to, how to find that guy and get him motivated and engaged. And, and I don't think it's San Diego anymore. No. I don't. Oh, yeah. And you know, I never want guys to leave. I never want guys to yeah. have right. to, to, yeah, I don't, I never want that. I never want to wish them out of an organization. I don't. Um, so all I can say about Myers is, you know, I hope he figures it out and I hope that he's happy wherever he is really. Now they're flipping the whole coaching staff. Could that mm-hmm. be enough or is there, is it the whole environment around? I mean, you're going to, he's going to the same place where he's been working. He's got the fans that have kind of turned on him. And you know, as I'm, uh, again, not a player, but as a person, I can only imagine the kind of mental toll that would take if, you know, if an entire fan base just kind of cast you off. You know, I'm not there, so I can't speak on the environment anymore. And I'm sure even in one season, it's different. So I don't really know. I, I just do think that he, that the Padres will put him on the trading block and they'll see, you know, can we get a bite out of this? You know, maybe we can get a good return from him somewhere because that contract also has taken up a lot. I just don't really want to go, to go to Colorado in some weird swap and then he just terrorizes us for the next five that's years. That's going to happen. You know that's going to happen, right? right? Or worse, they'll <laughs> go to San Francisco. That's what's going to happen. Uh, don't don't say that. Jeez. Oh. Yeah, we've we've been dealing with Jed Jerko and Adrian Gonzalez and everybody else. I mean, heck, even Matt Kemp came back and demolished us a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, real quick to talk about the, uh, the Giants, uh, that Donovan Solano. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from the same city that Luis Batinu is from. Um, Baraka, Baraka Kia? Baraka Kia. Barranquilla. Barranquilla. He, from Bar- you guys are Bar- good. Yeah. I, I noticed that about I noticed that about Donovan Solano. He's got a great hitter, too. Um, Came out of nowhere. I didn't even know he was on the Giants. Just started watching TV, and they just popped up. <laughs> uh, okay, so Emily Walden has Luis Patino. You know, yes. Jim Callis loves Mackenzie Gore. Uh, what... Padres prospect is your favorite Gore absolutely ah. he uh, he like I said he will change a franchise he will um, and that's a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, a lot to say for someone that hasn't even made their MLB debut yet probably hasn't even made it triple a he there's a when you rate prospects you know you can only measure up so much he's one he's like Tatis and he came up he changed the game yeah. that's going to be the same Okay, you just said he's triple. untouchable. So you said Triple A. Um, wh- what's mm-hmm. your take on on the Major League ball being played in Triple A and just, I mean, the Pacific Coast League being, God, like <sighs> Mars of Major League baseball. Oh. baseball is just insane. As someone who covers the Pacific Coast League every single night, I've never hated a league more in my life. <laughs> I just don't understand how there can be eighteen cycles and five fifteen homer games every single night. It, we have there's so many stories we can't write. Because there's other things happening in just that league. Yeah. Um, it's one, it does a disservice to pitchers. Uh, it, it basically made the PCL all like Coors Field was the PCL. And uh, it's, I get it. I get you want to make the game interesting, but you got to do it. You got to make it fair. A pop up where a guy throws his bat down should not go out for, didn't that happen in a Padres game, I think too, should not go out for a home run. Yeah. It shouldn't. Um, so maybe find a little balance there because uh, people at the minorleaguebaseball.com offices are losing their mind at the PCL. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so kind of go along that. Do other organizations still um, kind of do the same way? Like the 
Like we don't know how to gauge the talent of somebody either pitcher wise or hitter wise mm-hmm. because of the uh, because of the friendly hitting environments. Do you feel other organizations kind of feel the same way as well? Are they having the same problem um you know evaluating prospects that way? A little bit because when I evaluate prospects, I always have to kind of asterisk the PCL um for both okay. parties and I kind of have to say, you know, well yeah, he hit 300, but everybody hit 300 in the PCL. Right. So is he that good of a hitter or is he taking advantage of a situation where, you know, the balls have been adjusted? So it's it's a little bit more complicated. It really is. I, I think Major League Baseball is going to do something this offseason about it, though. I, I don't know if you... So Baseball Prospectus, there was an article that came out where somebody had access to the TrackMan data. And so they were able to calculate how much rebound the ball or how much change in drag coefficient the ball had because he had the incoming velocity the outcoming velocity nerd alert i know i'm an engineer (laughs) so bear with me but he he was able to demonstrate that the ball significantly changed once they went to the postseason and it supported what we were seeing with our eyes that you're seeing guys hit balls and kind of flip a bat and then it's getting caught on the warning track and then in the athletic um, there was a woman that earlier this year, she did a scientific study on a bunch of baseballs and she did it again with postseason. And she had some very interesting findings to suggest that they're they're changing something about the ball. They have control over it. They're just not necessarily um, sharing that information. Yeah. And I, I get it. Yeah. And I, you're a major league uh, uh, a BAM employee, so you can't get into the nuts and bolts of all of that stuff. Right. Uh, but I just I find the whole the whole thing really interesting that there was this dramatic change and there's going to have to be some kind of reaction to 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 remedy it because they can't let this happen again next year. Oh no, they can't. Not when pitchers have spoken out, and not like and and good pitchers have spoken out about it. Well, and teams even changed how they were using AAA. Yeah, they're yeah. they weren't bringing prospect pitchers, letting them finish at AAA. They're just bringing them straight up from AA, and it's like AAA was a holding tank for. 4A pitchers and veterans trying mm-hmm. to make their way back, and it was pretty it much was weird. They had Padres did it they had two that skipped double A AA or triple A. Yeah, you know, Tuddy's. I mean, Tuddy's is different, but for pitchers, you know, it's didn't Paddock skip triple A too? Right, if I remember yeah, correctly, he Paddock. Did. Yeah, he did. So it, it does your pitchers a disservice. It really does. Yeah. So this is but, my. I, I don't think, and I think that that's going to be if it's going to continue like that in the PCL. All those PCL teams will just use trip, the game will change with triple A. And teams, guys will just come straight up from double A. Like Gore, I don't, set, I don't think he steps foot in El Paso. I think he goes straight, probably not. Maybe five or six starts. Maybe someone gets injured. Uh, you know, we'll look at. I don't think they'll deal with service time, but he'll go straight from Amarillo right to Petco. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. That's you probably know. fair. Is there a nonstop flight from Amarillo to San Diego? I don't know. I'll have to look <laughs> that up. No, but the, you know, <laughs> we will. They'll private jet that guy. True. You know, there's oh, a, yeah. there's a He'll website. Land at Petco. There's a website where you can track the the flights. You can see like you can find the airplane and track the airplane by its tail number and all of that. Well, yeah, were... you can do that. And Padres Twitter is going to show up and mob that poor tiny San Diego airport. Yes, we <laughs> will. Be awful. Yes, we will. Could be awful. Okay, so we're almost done here. We got, we really appreciate you taking all this time. No, you guys this are is, doing great. You're killing it. This has been a blast. And you, I'm having so much fun. This is just, so. I, I, I love the, I love the conversation uh, of this. I love, you know, we just half this two thirds of this interview has been just talking about talking. All right. That's so, it. I, That's I, a podcast. I love it. So I see Emily Walden on our notes here. Um, have you, 
have you interacted with a bunch of different female? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in that angle. Yeah. Um, other women sports writers. Is there like a support, like a sisterhood among you all? When I meet a woman in sports, there is an instant connection. Um, it's just like, we understand. And, uh, don't get, don't get me wrong. Everyone is competitive in this industry. Um, but women kind of, I would hope at least, I mean, at least I hope that when people meet me that they have this impression, I'm going to have your back regardless. Um, so I met Jessica Kleinschmidt. I, I'm sure you guys know of her. She is yeah. so freaking funny. Um, I met her and I instantly felt that impression that I hope that people have for me. Um, just, you know, I got you and we're going to get through it together. And uh, that's really the goal of women in sports is just have that camaraderie together. And I will say this, that everywhere I go, men have also been just as welcoming. And they have been, it's, it's, I've always felt accepted and that's where I needed to belong. And if I didn't, I had no problem telling them that I belong. So and I'm yeah. only speaking for myself. I cannot speak for, you know, right. all of the other women that aren't as lucky as me. Right. Um, all I can say to them is, you know, you just got to keep working. You, and you can't let anyone tell you you don't belong because then they'll win. So are they you, will. are you, are you mentoring any young female writers are young, young female writers reaching out to you or even young men writers, you know, are, are, they, are you mentoring any of these, any people or? Um, I just spoke at a high school. Honestly, I don't really like talking too much about myself, especially when there's still so much that I want to accomplish still in my career and in my life. And I want to keep going. Uh, but yeah, I did just speak at a high a school. 23 year old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting your feet wet. Uh, I, I did speak and, uh, I've had, I don't know if you guys are familiar about the girls on the run program. It, it basically is just, you know, girls getting active in sports. I've had them reach out about doing a, a little, you know, speech out and, and empower and try to inspire these young girls. And, you know, I am completely honored that someone thinks that, you know, I am worthy of doing that. I still am just like, Hey, I'm just another, I'm just another person trying to get out there and establish myself in the community. Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. I, uh, I would, I love to be in that position. I love to help others and I, I just don't like talking about myself. So if I can yeah. be a, a mentor and just assist you, that's wonderful. Well, you're a woman working in a, in a field that's heavily dominated by males. Yeah. I mean, I, that's true. I, yes. I'm an engineer. And so I kind of see the same thing in my office. Yeah. It's probably 90% guys. And so the women that are there, the, to get to that place, they had to be really tough and put up with, all kinds of stupid behavior because guys are idiots. Let's, let's yeah. be honest here. <laughs> we're dumb. We're dumb. We say stupid <laughs> things. We say insensitive things. We don't really think about what we're doing uh, oftentimes, especially when people let their emotions get in the way. Yeah. And it's 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 not ne- it's not needed. Um. Yeah. It, you've worked hard to get to where you're at, and your your resume will speak for itself. I'm sure you know. Twenty years from now, when you're looking back on a career, hopefully you can become the next like Linda Cohn or something. You know. <laughs> But and you go, you'll you'll think back to that time we were on this. God, I started out and I was on this like podcast. And no, you guys are were, great. You are a legit <laughs> podcast. Do not put yourself down. You are legit and you are smart. All right. Well, somebody tell that the the podcast awards I was just hearing about on the radio that put us on the map. Yes, okay. I got it. Okay, so before we let you go. Can you relate any, like, I don't know, like, just terrifying story, like you missed a deadline or, you know, your computer went down. Like, our my first interview I had with Hudson Potts during spring training. Um, oh, cool. I just interviewed him last in, month. In two, like, right before he came out, my computer said, it's time to update. And so I said, okay, tap update. 
and then you know it's a, it's the Padre spring training Wi-Fi, so the Wi-Fi wasn't strong or whatever. <laughs> it just was like doom doom, and he's like, "Hey, how's yes. it going? <laughs> hey." Um, Oh, it's how, updating. How about that time that we interviewed Buddy Reed? We were like 20 minutes in when we realized that we never oh pressed God. record. Oh, yeah. Okay, so do you have any embarrassing stories like that where something went horribly wrong and you had to pick you had to pick the pieces back up? Yes. Um, uh, in September, when I was finishing my Padres internship, when it was pretty clear where the Padres were going to finish, they would send me to other teams. So I, would, I sent, got sent to L.A. a lot. And I would cover the visiting teams that were playing the Dodgers. And I got to cover, and it was really cool, the uh, Colorado uh, Colorado Dodgers series one week out from the end of the regular season. And that's when they were like, uh, I think they were both tied for first. Ironically, the Rockies got swept that series. I uh, had a joke that, you know, I was never going to be able to cover a win that year. And I got pretty close. <laughs> uh, and um, I'm talking and, you know, coming in, it's really hard to go and, you know, have your whole life be about one organization and then for a weekend you got to put your whole life and knowing this whole 40-man roster because it's september so you got to know everybody um and you're the you're not just a reporter you're the primary mlb.com reporter for the rockies for, for a series or the phillies or wherever you go Woof. so i already have all of that and i'm like okay it's fine i got it i stalk the heck out of buddy black to get him for an exclusive interview and he knows i'm doing it he, he's a smart dude and i think he just either had nothing else better to do or was like she's not going to go away anytime soon so he's like, all right, what do you got? And we sit down and he gives me this incredible interview. I ask him, this is when John Gray was, was pitching pretty poorly. You know, if the timing of putting John Gray on the DL was so that Kyle Freeland could start the wild card game. Um, and I could tell that he was really impressed that I had done the math and the calculations to figure that out. And he uh, responded by giving me one heck of an answer. And we talked for maybe 12 minutes, just back and forth about the rotation and the postseason and the potential wild card and winning the division. I never pressed record. Oh, I never did. I never pressed record. God. I get back up. I'm texting, uh, I'm texting my dad and I'm like, I just had the best interview ever. This is like best interview of my career. Cause I mean, Andy Green was great, but he was never going in that deep with me. Right. And I sit down and I'm like shiny. Nobody can tell me anything. I sit down. It's one second. All you can hear is me say, thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Because that's when I pressed the button oh, to end the recording. I actually turned it on. on. Yeah, it was. Oh it was humbling. God, yeah. It was humbling. <laughs> it is never get too cocky. Never think you're the best because life will humble you really fast. Yeah. Now I now I the entire time I'm talking to someone, I'm making sure I'm looking at that button. Is it flashing? Is my recorder on? Am I doing this? Well, that's the so. kind of mistake you only make once. So yep, now, you only need to make it once. So now that this year is over, you say it's kind of a cool down period for you. Do you know what you're yes. doing through the off season and what you're going to be doing next year? Or how do you find out about that? I'm still with minor league baseball. We'll still be working through the off season. I actually have a shameless plug Padres, uh, organizational all-star story coming out in on December 2nd. So please read it. Argue with me about my picks for the top position player uh, of each. It's a, as a whole, so the entire Padres system, who was the best right-handed pitcher, who was the best left-handed pitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just did one for the Marlins, so we'll have that. I'm not quite sure. You know, I'm always – I love my job. I'm always also looking to see, you know, what else may be open. If I could pick a dream world, I would go right back to where I was in 2018 at Petco Park. I love that organization, yeah, and AJ it's only going to get better. AJ Casavell is He's going good. Anywhere. He's set. Yeah. No, no one is No one is leaving. So best-case scenario, because I also don't want anything to happen to them ever. Right, right, right. Um, they just, you know, a brand-new newspaper pops up or a brand-new company pops up, and then they just need an extra person. And I can be like, hey. Well, you know, um, now that I think of it, 
Bill Center and Bernie Wilson are approaching retirement age. Yeah, I don't know what long their long-term the plans are. So maybe Bernie Wilson might vacate a spot in the AP or something like that. Look, I don't think Bernie Wilson or Bill Center are going anywhere. I think Bill Center, there is no place he'd rather be than that Padres press box. Yeah. And you know what? He's earned the right to, they both yeah. have earned the right to stay there as long as they want. And who am I to, to you know, intervene? So I've always said, you know, that's my motto, guys. I'm exactly where I need to be. So if I ever am back in San Diego, just know it'd be the best day of my life. And uh, that is where I'm meant to be. But well, just know I'm where, fine with anything. Just know wherever you go that we we hope the best for you. You are fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, you, you are... You know, at, I keep forgetting you're 23 years old. <laughs> I, at 23, I was a mess at 23. Was, oh, no, I'm still yeah. a mess. Don't worry. Right. I just hide it. <laughs> you, well, th- then you hide it so much better than I did. Thank you. But, um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for all the insight and great stories. Um, you guys can find Katie Wu on Twitter at... Katie J. Wu. Very simple. That's me. All right. Hopefully, we'll run into you at spring training. I should be there. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I had a blast. It was super fun.